0: Welcome to this week's episode of Making It to the Mic. I'm your host, Stephanie Pam Roberts, and my guest today is Angelina Bruno. Angelina is an agent and co-founder of the talent agency, AB Squared. The other half of AB Squared is Andrea Bean, who you'll hear from later in the season. I've been working with them both for years, but it was really fun to get this one-on-one time to ask so many specific questions. We talk about the agent-actor relationship, what she looks for when submitting auditions to the client or casting director, what her day-to-day looks like as an agent, and so much more. So let's listen in. Here's my conversation with Angelina Bruno. Hello, Angelina. How are you today? I'm great. I'm great. Happy to be here. I'm so happy that you're here. So I always like to start kind of by asking the same question, which is, tell us about your journey. How did you make it to where you are behind the mic as an agent? So
1: as an agent, I started as a performer and um Ended up kind of segueing to behind the scenes, and then back in back in the early '90s, when CD-ROMs were cutting technology, um, I got involved in producing new media, and so there was a lot of voice work. So I was working on a huge textbook for IBM that had, I think it was 400 hours of instruction. So we needed voices. So that's sort of what started it for me. And then I started working in the acquisitions as well. So I started getting the contract side. So I was doing sort of managing the performers and doing the contracts. And so it sort of just segued into doing a little producing, but that's sort of what I ended up being. And then um, my partner, Andrea was working as an agent and we started talking and we were looking for something to do together. And we collaborated on a few things. And so she said, we kind of talked about opening our own agency. And I think the idea being that, um, I guess we wanted to be the agents we always wish we had. Mm. So that was sort of the model for us and sort of seeing, you know, not making cookie cutters, but really finding sort of the unique sound unique personality that each talent has It's you know people are people and we also were concurrently um, trained in a specific kind of yoga meditation called yoga nidra and we were trained as teachers and we were trying to bring that sort of humanizing element to the industry as well so just
0: wanting to be and do something
1: a little different
0: i love that So when you started the agency, were you, what was that process like? Did you already have connections that you sort of brought along?
1: No, we we are both real self-starters. So not really. We kind of started from ground zero and we were originally, we did on camera and voiceover and (laughs) what's fair to say, um, we love voiceover actors. It's just a whole different thing. And we found We started doing meetups around the country because we had talent all across the country. And so we'd go to a city and we'd meet up. And I was so uh, enamored by the camaraderie that was there in voiceover that was not there with on camera the lack of competitiveness and how many times somebody would come to us and say, Hey, I got, you know, I got a call for this spot. I wasn't right, but you, know, I know so-and-so's on your roster, maybe forward it to her, see if it might suit her. And that happened enough times that I was sort of in shock by it. I'm like, wait, you're, you have an opportunity and you're passing it along to somebody. I just was, I was really struck by it. And um, you know, the way that a lot of voiceover talent would just meet up. And um, so we kind of, over time, were just like, you know what? We like voices. So that's what we focused on.
0: That's actually come up a few times with the other voice actors that I've interviewed, how uh, small and and close-knit a community it is, even though there's people everywhere all over the the country, all over the world, but how everybody really does kind of help bolster each other and work together.
1: Um, And then I guess what's been interesting is with the pandemic and the limitations that happened, we sort of had an opposite effect, which our business sort of grew and expanded because now everybody, you know, with a home studio, you didn't have to be LA, New York, you could be anywhere, including and then also clients as well. So we've got a new game company in Serbia, and in Finland, and in the Philippines. And, you know, I mean, I'm learning so much about international payments, because I'm paying people at all. And I'm like, I don't even know what kind of money your country has. I'm trying, I'm trying to pay you and transfer wise and all of this different stuff. But it's to me, really exciting. I just think it it opened up a lot of things, for voiceovers, especially,
0: yeah, so tell us about your role at at a b squared kind of what is your what's your title, what's your day to day look like?
1: Uh, we're both my partner, Andrea and I are both owner agents and everything, <laughs> soup to nuts, so ordering stamps to working with clients to you know, I've got ninety five submissions and I gotta pick five, going through those and posting auditions and doing contracts and all of that so you know, and we just sort of split it. And we each have different platforms, different producers, different contacts. But it's funny, you know, we have the same initials, we actually sound the same. So I answer to Andrea all the time. And I just if somebody calls me Andrea, I just go with it. It's just the two of us. And we had looked at, we've had interns, and we just time after time, really want the one on one with the talent. And it's just easier to kind of do all the pieces. So
0: that's amazing. I love that you guys are simultaneously like ordering stamps and booking people on major commercials. Yes, yes. So, when someone uh submits to you, what stands out? Like what are you looking for? I I feel like that's a probably a broad question.
1: <laughs> right. No, it's interesting and I have to I have to say Andrea is far more patient than me. Um I have and this um, fair or not, I have about a 3 second attention grabber. And I generally, if in the first two, three seconds, I don't hear, I'm not compelled. I generally don't pass it on. So, you know, we get submissions and I'll listen and pass on to her. She'll listen, pass back to me. You know, we've got a larger roster. So we have now probably around 600 people. Wow. But we know the voices and I know a lot of them and and it's you know it's still striking to me that I'll get one and I'll be like hey listen to this woman we don't have somebody quite like her there's something different and she'll be like you're right and it's like we there's just a different sound. So now it's about I think building a more robust um roster i think at the beginning we needed everything so we took on a lot more but we we're becoming way more selective and also i think while the pandemic has opened everything up the need for professionalism has also escalated i think it really because some people are now replacing an engineer and you're not in a studio you need to know what you're doing you have to have a you know professional equipment you need to know how to use it you need to know how to listen to yourself so when we hear, you know, submissions from anybody, if it's not kind of really done professionally, but also some professional experience. So if, hey, you know, I mean, this is a classic one we get all the time. Hey, people tell me I got a great voice. (laughs) And it's like, okay, you know, it's like, what do I do? It's like, and I think we used to take more time early on, but I'm like, I'm not going to educate you. And we direct people. This is what you might want to do if you want to learn more about the industry. But there's people that want you know want you to teach them. And we're not in that position. So, um, But again, it's something just they sort of organically interesting. And, you know, at the same, uh, I was just doing a spot for um, an alcohol brand. And it's kind of a funny spot. And I kind of got it. But as I'm listening to the recordings, it's like people sort of, um, I don't know how to say, but they get it. They get what the writing's supposed to be. So, you know, I'm listening, 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 and all of a sudden I start laughing on the 67th person I'm listening to because somebody really got the humor of it. And I listen to this line over and over because I'm picking and trying to whittle down to five. And so there's something about, I think, a little bit of um, smarts or I don't even know what to call it acumen. You've got to be a little intelligent about this. It's not just a straight read. You kind of really need to know what you're doing. And so it's, it's everything, right? It's acting and it's reading and it's all the different pieces. So again, hearing that, and you can hear that pretty fast in um, someone's voice. And sometimes it's like, oh, they got it better the second take and I'll listen through. But I generally find in the first couple of seconds, if I'm not compelled, even if I listen all the way through, I'm like, yeah, I'm just not compelled. I'm not engaged because they're not engaged. And maybe that is is people who really engage and are authentic right because i think it's about being just genuine and real and so if you're willing to be a little bit more vulnerable and, and i guess that then speaks to maybe opening up and being vulnerable as well i'm i want to know more and if i want to know more then i'm going to listen to what you have to say and i might care what you think about a car or an alcohol brand or a couch or whatever it is that you know the advertisers are trying to sell me because i'm curious about you cuz you're you know you're the ambassador for the brand
0: Right. And yeah, it is sort of that like intangible star quality, but yeah, I don't know if that's the right word.
1: Well, I think I used to think that it was a star quality, the it thing. And now I don't, I think it's about just being genuinely you. So it's so a lot of times people are like, well, what do I do? It's like, I want you to do nothing. Don't do anything. Just Mm. be. And it's the hardest thing to just say your name and be who you are. I used to find it so challenging. And yet, you know, it's the most compelling. When someone's just authentic, like no one else, because no one else sounds like you, nobody. And so trusting that and not trying to be anything, just trying to do.
0: So this brings me to the ever popular topic of the conversational read. So that's obviously a spec that we're seeing on, you know, 99% of, of auditions. So what does that mean to you? What do you think of and what kind of stands out to you is like, yep, that's conversational.
1: So, um, it's interesting cause it comes up a lot, you know, when we do conferences and we'll do like a speed dating thing where I'm listening to 25 people in an hour and a half and listening to demos and talking. So to me, we're going back to being authentic. And I think, you know, my example I always give is I ask people, do you have multiple siblings? I am very different. I have two sisters and a brother. I am very different the way that I talk to my sister, Mary, than I do with my sister, Patricia completely different. And so I'm like, you need that specificity. I think with conversational tone, I mean, you have to know the person you're talking to and speak in that way. So when it's, well, I'm talking to women, it's like, no, you got how many, you know, how many good friends do you have? You talk, the way that you speak to each of them is very different. So to me, it's that that granular and getting down to that level of specificity. And I find when people do it and when I go, I say go back, now do it again. Now hold you do I mean make this, you know, I'm now talking to my sister Patricia. And if I'm talking to her and I say it again, I hear a complete shift. And it's like now it sounds authentic. Now it's a real conversation. Because otherwise it's just words off a page. Right. What makes a conversation real is who I'm conversing with. And it's a connection. People get stuck in, it's a conversational tone and read, but I'm by myself. And you've got to have that person you're talking to front and center. And even, you know, as much as putting a picture in front of you, so I'm talking to and looking at that person as you talk, mm. you know, I, even my kids, when I sh- my tone shifts, everything shifts about me. I remember hearing, I can't think of the voice actress, but she was speaking and she was saying when she goes into the booth, she wears different shoes depending on who she is. And so she's like, I'm really different in a pair of big stiletto heels than I am in my Converse high tops. And just standing in the booth, if I'm talking to you, I stand different. I feel different. The clothes I wear, all of that. So I think we don't think about those things. You know, it's just my voice, but everything speaks to that. The way I am in my body. And I guess this is my one plug. I think meditation for performers is so important. I think it's the thing that gets you to be able to access sort of the authentic you and kind of what's underneath and be able to be aware. You you increase your awareness. And then when I when you do that, you can kind of start to self-direct and self-edit. But I think it has to be really specific. And I just I'm so amazed when people do it. And it's like do it again. Now you have really it's the which friend and they say it to that friend. I'm like, oh my God, that's it. And I just find myself listening and now I'm engaged.
0: Yeah, that's so true. Because, right, a group of women, are they old women? Are they young women? Are they teenagers? But once you start saying, like, hey, Angelina, I've got this product that I think you personally would love, then, yeah, it's a totally different connection.
1: Right. Because do I want you to have it? Because I think it'll help you. That's a different kind of way. than it's a more mothering, nurturing, caring thing. If, you know, if if it's... um to give you an advantage and it's to succeed somewhere. So it's a more aggressive thing. It just, everything changes and it's really varied. Conversational tone sounds different for every conversation, right? Because think about how many conversations you have in a day and they're all a little different sounding depending on who I'm talking to.
0: Mm-hmm. And I think it's funny. So many teachers say, you know, pick someone that you think this copy would resonate with and then literally say out loud, hey, so-and-so before you start or, oh, my gosh, so-and-so, I've got something really cool to share just to give you that lead in. And now that sounds like a person talking to a person.
1: Right. And I, I guess what's fascinating to me is the resistance to it. Like people hear it over and over and over again. It's like, just do it this way. My experience is that when I do it that way, it's better. I resist it constantly. And to me, the meditation thing circles back in because if I'm doing that regularly and I'm in more of a state of awareness, I'm less resistant. And it's more of a natural inclination to, I'm aware that it's like, oh, I'm performing or my nerves have gotten or my fears have gotten in the way. So that's directing how I'm doing this because I'm doing it, I guess, from a place of fear, not from a place of like ease and comfort and communication and openness.
0: And I know sometimes for me too, I try not to but as soon as I get an agent email for an audition I'm like in immediately in a heightened place as opposed to like a pay-to-play website or a previous client who I've worked with like there's something about like oh my agent wants me to audition for this that like heightens it interesting and then if you open it and you're like oh my god it's a it's the biggest job I could ever book then all of a sudden you're like already in a weird headspace
1: right right and I think if if some kind of daily practice that keeps you in touch with yourself. You you know, it's like, Ooh, there's a lot of fear or there's excitement, adrenaline. And it's like, Ooh, that's happening right there. Being aware of it and sort of letting it through and then just having, you know, kind of the process of, okay, all right. So let that be. So now what is this? Who am I talking to focus on that person? And it's, I think what it does too, is When I focus on the other who I'm talking to, like when you think about most conversations, I'm not sitting there most of the time in conversation, thinking about how I sound and how I'm coming off, right? I'm more focused on the person I'm talking to. And that makes all the difference because I get out of self. The longer I'm in self, the more trapped I get. But the more I can connect and get out of myself, that's engaging. People trapped in self are kind of boring because it's just it's you know internal and it's not but when it when it becomes more gregarious and external you that's how you you hook me
0: and i think sometimes we we as voice actors especially alone in our booths get in our head about um i think you had mentioned it before like the the literal tone is my tone conversational enough like if i say like only at Starbucks does that sound conversational. No, I better try it again. You know, and and but you're right. Like right in in this particular conversation that I'm having with you, I have no idea what's going to come out of my mouth. And I don't I'm not going to go back and second guess like I ended that sentence up instead of down, but for some reason in voiceover that's that comes in.
1: Right. Yeah, and I I yeah, it's it's funny cuz I I think the people that do it, it's just as they sound as natural outside the booth as inside the booth, Mm -hmm. because even like in this conversation, I have never thought once about my tone, right? (laughs) I'm just talking to you and I'm curious what you're saying and I'm engaging. I'm other focused as opposed to self-focused.
0: I love that. I think that's such a great thing to latch on to. So you're, you're still focused on the other person, even though they're not here and we don't know their reactions aren't written in the copy, but you're still focused on them instead of on yourself.
1: Right. I mean and it is interesting. I can tell every time it's not there's not a clear other.
0: Yeah, the conversational read, it it's also another topic that's come up so much and and it's so interesting to hear what we as other voice actors think or are trying to do and what you, you know, like the people behind the table are interpreting it as and
1: Right. I yeah, I mean again, it's it's just not trying. And that's the I don't know why not trying is so hard.
0: Cuz it feels like we're doing nothing and then that can't possibly book it. Right. So can you walk us through kind of the process of one specific audition? So who contacts you with a project and then what's the process from there?
1: So um, I'll go with one I just had yesterday. So um, it was for an alcohol brand and it was a radio spot and they were looking for six different voices and they wanted me to pick my top five. So I uh, got it. I we have you know our email that we use to contact uh, our our clients and reached out to the roster, gave them the specs, gave them the scripts, gave them whatever notes, gave them a deadline, and then have the you know Dropbox link to upload them, name them properly. So going back in and as I'm re- I have to rename them when I look at them and I'm renaming them and listening and pairing down. And again, there was some humor in it, and I was again struck by how many people. We're trying too hard, you know, and it's like, it's someone trying to tell a joke and trying really hard, it falls. And it's like, it it, it was interesting to me how, you know, how many didn't work, didn't, or didn't get it. I I guess, didn't see the humor in it. So the reads sounded really funny. Um, But I just go through it. And then, you know, I pick the top five that I think are good for each of the um, six roles. And what's interesting to me too, is the same people, they were allowed to do auditions for multiple roles. But some people I only pick for one. Some people I might, I, I did one woman for two roles, but like they got one read right and the other read they're off. And, you know, again, and I don't, I think part of it is, um, again, it's about really being present for each. So there's, I can see from the performer's perspective, it's like, oh, this is exciting. Oh, there's three things here. I can do all three. Okay, now I've got three scripts. And I think a lot of times what I, what I noticed was, woman one was good. Woman two got a little bit weaker and woman three was the worst because they'd gotten tired. They were on autopilot. It just, they weren't as present. It was the same people. And it's like, wow, you did great on that first one. And you just petered out. And by the third one, it wasn't there. Um, so it takes, it takes a lot of, again, discipline and energy to be like, I got to each time it's an authentic conversation. I mean, I don't, you know, At two o'clock, when I talk to somebody, I'm like, yeah, I've already had six conversations today. I don't really want to engage with you that much. So I'm not really going to participate in this conversation because I had six today. You're my seventh conversation. This is, you know, it's like, no, you're in that conversation. So, um, you know, and it's, it's hard. And if you've got a lot of auditions and you're in the booth, you know, a lot in a given day, each time is a brand new conversation. And I, each time when I have a conversation, there's something I'm really trying to communicate or somebody's really trying to communicate to me. And having that freshness and that presence every single time I go in the booth to record.
0: Do you listen to the entirety of the submission? No, and Andrea's a little better. Unless I hear two reads, and if I'm really
1: not, the, the first one doesn't grab me, I will sometimes listen through. But my feeling is that if I'm already bored four seconds into it, The agents who are listening, you know, if you're only taking five from me, the casting directors got 300 they're listening to. And I know when I do it, I if you've already lost me three seconds into it, you're not going to get me later. So, you know, really being fresh at the beginning and being able to grab me because, again, you know, a radio spot, 30 seconds. I mean, I'm in my car and you're going to make me stop and listen.
0: That's the idea of this you've got to be really present right at the start. Right, like a strong choice right from the beginning so we have that point of view.
1: Yeah, so again, really kind of committed, really present for what what you're communicating.
0: So I'm sure it changes depending on, but like for a radio commercial that you've sent out, how many submissions do you receive from your roster typically?
1: So for the alcohol brand that just went in yesterday, I had between 60 to 90 for each of the three roles. Gotcha. So for, all, for these, two, the six roles. So then, you know, winnowing that down. And then again, you know, depending on the specs, like uh, one came in a couple of days ago for a very posh British accent. So that limits it down. And now that one, maybe it's, I get half a dozen. Right. Um, But even like I'm struck at the the people that continually, it's like, I want authentic British accents and I'm really specific on accents. You know, I used to work with them a lot, how bad they are and that somebody doesn't know it's awful or they're switching and it's like, wait, you're switching regions of Britain and now it sounds Southern and I'm just, I'm in shock. And, and, or we had, um, we've been doing a lot of Harry Potter sound alike. So you get a lot of sound alikes and we're seeing more of that we had a radio spot and people had to sound like different artists. And it's like, really, you listen to that and you think you sound like that person. And it's obvious to me, like with the Harry Potters, it's like, you haven't listened at all. You don't even know who this character is. And you're sending this in and you're like nowhere near, I'm a Harry Potter nut. So I, I love it. Cause when somebody gets it, I'm like, oh my God, it sounds just like them. And it's like really great. And then the other ones, I'm like, what?
0: Yeah, the sound soundalikes are really tricky. Yes. But fun.
1: Yes, but fun. And when it's right, it's really great. And when it's off, it's really bad. <laughs> I can tell sometimes when like somebody's recorded something, And it's like, that's good enough. Mm. And I guess I want to say, don't spend good enough. Good enough is not going to get the job and it's just going to be frustrating. And I will say the people that do that enough times, if I'm paring down, if I'm making a choice, I'm not going to pick that person because I don't trust, I guess their judgment. So there's another piece of your judgment is important Mm. and knowing, Hey, this is not out. This is outside my range or I have, you know, I have there's one, and she submits for everything, and she can't accept she's in her 40s. I'm like, you're not a 20-something, and it's really clear you're not, but you keep submitting, and we keep saying, hey, try to, you know, you can kind of explore and try to expand your range a little bit, but not by two decades. You just don't sound like a 20-something.
0: Yeah, I think that's, um, th- which brings me to another question. So for your roster, you send everything to everyone, Right.
1: I said, no, we have um, sort of mini lists. So by union, by accents, by language, by um, some regional things. So we have sort of smaller mini lists within the master list. So no, everybody doesn't get everything. But again, I don't have men, you know, 30s to 50s as a sub list because I, again, I'm trusting you to know what you can do and what your capacity and your range is. Because I know some of my twenty year olds can go up and sound like they're thirty, and some of the fifties, you know, or sixties, they're not quite there. They're in the range. So I, I never like to tell talent what they can do, but I, it, I have an expectation that you know what you can do,
0: and that's really interesting too. Because uh, I know some agents are super specific, like they are going to send me the thing that they think that I'm going to book, whether or not i agree or not or whether or not i wish that they would send me more stuff they you know put it very specifically so i i do love that you're a little more open-minded to to letting the talent kind of pick but it is a double-edged sword because i do feel like sometimes i get them and i'm like can i do that i don't know if i have that right and i guess that's that's where
1: i'm trust i mean it, it it's uh you know, it's a symbiotic relationship, right? I'm putting it out there and I'm saying, okay, here's a big buffet, take what you want, but, you know, make some good choices and don't fill up on, you know, my dad used to always be like, don't need take all the cheese and crackers. There's all this really expensive stuff, you know, <laughs> go for the expensive stuff. It's like, yeah, but I like the cheeses. So, you know, that's okay for me. But it's like, know what to pick and pick, choose wisely. Because I, I mean, there's nothing better than being surprised. And I, I, there are a number of times where I'll get something and I'm like, Andrea, yeah, oh my God, her accents are amazing. I've never heard her do one or I didn't realize that. So, and I don't know because, you know, as artists, I think you're always growing and changing. So maybe there's something I didn't know you were doing, but you've been working on a while and you feel like you've got it now. And so I like hearing that. So yeah, we almost never are really micromanage the talent.
0: Do you send wild cards to the casting agents or do you really try to kind of, Give them exactly what they've asked for?
1: I try to give them exactly what they've asked for because I don't want to waste their time. So, the same way I don't like to get a bunch of things I don't want, but I will once in a while, it's like that what they've asked for is that to me, kind of a typical, authentic, you know, the COVID ads are the perfect thing. So, right, there was this tone that all the COVID ads started getting, right? Huge boon to the industry because everybody was doing a voiceover over their existing advertising about COVID and how they're kind of taking care of us. But it was like, oh my God, if I have to hear that tone. So if somebody gave me something different, mm-hmm. sometimes just threw it in because I'm like, there's got to be another way to read this. Or just to wake them up out of their stupor about them all sounding so genuine and so caring and so <laughs> concerned with my well being, it's like, oh my God, could somebody take me for granted? You know? Too much concern and compassion. I just want less. Um so yeah. So with that, I, there was a couple I like, very consciously was like, you know what? This person didn't do any of that. I'm going to just throw it in and see. Um, because again, it's like whatever engages me, whatever, I mean, I'm sitting and listening over and over and over. And if what is there about the 48th read that I go, huh, same thing, but there's something in the read. And so, and it, that undefinable thing, I don't know what it is, but I'm engaged.
0: Yeah. I had an interesting thought when you were talking about the Harry Potter soundalikes and stuff that your agency works on so many different genres and um, different types of auditions. So what is that like on your end to kind of have to put on like your video game brain and then your, you know, conversational commercial brain?
1: I guess because right in life I engage with multiple kinds of things in a given day. So that's just that conversation that I'm having. That's that person I'm talking to. So I, I find it interesting. I think if we were always doing um, you know, the same thing, it would get boring. I mean, my personal, I love the video games. I got uh, all boys. And so I've heard more video games. And I love when I go and I go, hey, have you heard this company? And They're like, oh my God, yeah. Are you working on that? And I'm like, yeah. And they get all excited. Um, so I I love sort of that more and the accents and kind of really when people are a little bit more creative. But You know, it just it's very easy to change hats. And so I like the variety and I like that we're giving our talent that kind of variety, because I think as fun as, you know, any one thing is, it would get boring if that's what you did day in, day out all the time.
0: Yeah, I do, too. I think it it's it's nice to kind of go into the booth and be like, what's on the plate today? What's on the buffet today? You know, it's, you know. I've got a video game audition, and I've got a bunch of you know corporate video auditions, and then you know one really fun, funny radio commercial. And do you have? Uh, I'm assuming you have great relationships with certain casting directors or clients who kind of you're their go-to. Like, hey, we need this. What do you got?
1: Yes, we do. So we have we have a handful of clients, and we're we're working on expanding that. But that I think is our favorite. Like, we really love kind of full service, and so to us, it's really great when maybe we get cast you know, one of our talent gets cast in one role for them. And then they're like, well, do you have more stuff like this? Or could I come to you for this and be able to go? Yeah, absolutely. So that kind of that's that relationship to me is my favorite. The bulk things are nice. And even if it's a big ticket project, those are nice. But when you start to build a rapport with a casting director, or a game company, it's like, you know, now we're, you know, like, there's this one and, we got the lead role for the video game and now they're like, okay, we're looking for these things. And then being able to look at my roster and think who would be really good at this. And again, I'll send it out to multiple people, but I have in the back of my head and I will reach out to somebody and say, Hey, this is coming. I want to make sure. I think you should audition for this because you'd be really good. So I do try to do that sometimes. It's like, say, Hey, don't, don't skip this. I think that's made a difference as well. Like I have, I've tried, it's, you know, not always easy. So if it's a really crazy week, it's harder because the time isn't there. But if somebody's in my top five, getting back to them and saying, Hey, you know, just so you know, you were in my top five, that was great. Or that was a really nice read, or thank you for making me laugh an hour into this thing. And I find it makes such a difference for the talent because I get so many times you're doing this all and there's no response, you know, the dead air in a booth and it's hard to I'm asking you to engage, but you really there's no one to engage with. And you just keep putting out all this stuff and not getting a lot of feedback. So I'm trying to be mindful, you know, to at least a couple of, you know, regularly try to reach back out and give feedback and to validate because we all want to be validated.
0: Yeah. And especially in the COVID times, it has been wonder a wonderful boom. But at the same time, it's been in some ways so much less um, interactive with people because... We're churning out so much stuff and there's so much to be done. And then all of a sudden I, I realize like, I've gone the whole day without talking to another person. <laughs> when you do get submissions on your roster, do you have, especially nowadays, are you requiring like a specific set of uh, home studio specs and things?
1: No, we don't do any specs because they're so broad, but it's just a professional level home studio. And if someone does, again, it's like when someone comes back and goes, well, what do you, what does that mean? It's like, you know what it means and you need to know the equipment you have because there's so much, there's so many mics, there's so many filters, there's so many different ways to do it. Um, and again, I think the big piece for us is professional experience. So whereas before we were willing to take sort of newbies, we do a lot less of that. And I want to hear a professional job because the other piece, I guess this is the pet, another pet peeve is these slick demos.
0: Mm.
1: And I know Andrea's thing is always, she's like, I'm not sure they can reproduce this on their own.
0: That's so interesting. With
1: an engineer, they were able to sound like that, but I don't think. And so a lot of times she'll be like, yeah, I got duped. I thought I, I, I talked to them. I'd listened to their work. I thought, but they can't, they can't re- reproduce on their own without you know an, either an engineer or an editor or somebody directing them. They can't do it on their own. So again, that's another requirement of talent. It's like you really need a lot of skill and expertise to be able to do this well, to be able to edit yourself and know what you sound like and know when it's wrong and know when it's right, you know, all of that. Um, so I guess that's, that's, you know, another challenge um, and something that with the submissions, it's like, what does the professional work sound like? And then it's like, well, there isn't a lot. I haven't done a lot. And so saying, I like your demo, but come back when you've gotten some professional jobs. And again, I get the catch 22. It's like, I can't get the professional jobs, so work with me, but no one will work with me to get me the professional jobs. And, you know, with all the kind of pay to play, it's like, you can, you can get out there and get some experience.
0: Yeah. The slick demos, that's such an interesting way to put it because I think you're right. They all, there's a lot of amazing demo producers out there. And, They can make anybody, not anybody, but they can make lots of people sound good. And how do you know listening to that? Like, oh, yeah, this person is great. And I'm confident that they can reproduce this on their own.
1: Right, right. And then even, you know, a lot of times when people ask us, we have some people we refer and we're like, we can go talk to these people or go to these voiceover boards and things. And you can find someone that will help you make a demo. But you can start to tell so-and-so worked on this demo with them. And the demos start to sound the same. The voices are different. I can tell who you start to know who they worked with to get that demo done. And again, that doesn't speak well to the the authentic piece. It's like, if I just sound like a lot of other voices, it's not as successful.
0: That is good food for thought because these demos are very expensive.
1: Yeah. And there's nothing worse than, you know, especially when we do these sort of speed dating things at conferences and stuff. And somebody's like, I just got my demo, you know, want you to give it a listen. And you're like, oh, no. This is not good. And I can't tell you how many times that you're like, I know, and I've heard that multiple times today. And I knew it when I heard it. And so I guess that speaks to if you're working on a demo, you have to advocate for yourself and don't let yourself get pushed. If it doesn't sound right, it's got to sound right to you and not, we've been working on this a while. That's good enough. Like, you know, the person you're working with, like, well, that's good enough. I think, I think that's good. We, I think we got it. I don't want to hear, I think we got it. We got it. That's it. That's how I want this to sound. And advocating and like, no, I want, we're going to do this again. I want this to be good, not okay, not good enough.
0: But do you still feel strongly that people should get their demos professionally produced?
1: I don't want to say that because some people have the acumen and they can do it. And it sounds good. So I, I, I hesitate to say no. But I think if you don't really know what you're doing, it is helpful. And you're just starting, and you're newer, or you know you've been. I mean, the other the other end of the spectrum is people that have been in the industry for years and years. And you know, the market demands are shifting, right? We've moved authentic, so that hard sell thing that used to be classic in radio, or you know, you listen to a radio DJ in the '50s, the '60s, the '70s, the '80s. You know, you keep going through; it keeps changing what they're looking for. So I think sometimes it helps to have another set of years. And I think. I think whatever reason when we're, when you're by yourself, you sometimes sell yourself short and you need, it's helpful to have someone else. But again, you know, maybe collaborating with somebody as opposed to hiring somebody and somebody whose demos you like and skills you like working with them. And again, now with, you know, the technology lending itself and being able to sort of dial into a lot of things that that's another option.
0: Right. Yeah, man, so many things in this business really should feel like a collaboration, including a relationship with your agent. And a lot of times I think we as voice actors get so intimidated or we feel like we aren't able to say something, you know, to the demo producer, or the agent or whoever that we feel like is kind of higher up the ladder.
1: Right, right. We were working on an animation thing and we had a young Asian actor and they sent, you know, a lot of times when we start moving along, they'll get the drawings, they'll get character, more character fleshing out, they'll start to get sample scripts and we're sort of forwarding them. And the talent came back to me and he was like, hey, I hate to say this because I'm really excited about doing this. He said, but my skin is yellow, my character. I'm not yellow. And I was, I looked at it and I was like, you're right. And so then I'm like, this is somebody new. I was hoping, you know, we get more business with them. And I'm like, I'm going to have the conversation. So, and it's intimidated as maybe talent is to talk to the agents. Agents sometimes feel like with casting or producers, you don't want to rock the boat. You don't want to be as difficult. It ended up being a phenomenal experience. And I reached out to the producer and I said, Hey, he's, totally flexible, but he just pointed it out. And I, you know, I have adopted kids who are Asian and I was like, I had them look at them and they were like, Oh, I get it. And I'm like, is it offensive? And one was like, no. and The other one was like, "Mm, it's borderline. And I'm like, okay. And so he said, the producer ended up saying, thank you so much. We had an amazing conversation with the artists in talking about, as we try to show diversity you know, these skin tones that we're using, we really need to look at. And so they they, down, they downplayed it and they shifted the coloring and changed it. And it ended up being this wonderful conversation and experience that if, you know, talent hadn't been willing to speak up, if I hadn't been willing to speak up. And I guess I, I think again, it's like fear comes up so many times. It's like, just put my fear aside and just feel the fear and do it anyway. Yeah. You know, you're not going to lose something big, and if you did, you weren't supposed to have it, and that person was going to find fault with something else. I think whenever again you're being authentic or kind of just speaking your truth, it's it's impossible to kind of just disregard it. And if you do, then you're not that, you know, you were going to find another problem with things. So um, I guess you know we're we're people too, and uh, but I understand, you know, because I feel the same way. It's like. I don't want to upset this person because I don't want to, you know, lose something. And my experience has been I've never lost when I've been really direct or I've raised a concern that's an authentic, genuine concern for me or for my talent. It's never gone bad.
0: Hmm. That's such a good reminder. And a reminder, too, that it's okay. And I think especially nowadays, like that diversity conversation is so important. Yes. I I love that he felt comfortable to speak up to you. And, And I think that's a credit to you for for him feeling like he could,
1: and and saying, "I don't want to lose the job, but would you take a look at this?" And they were like, "Oh my gosh, thank you so much. Yes, absolutely, and we're we really appreciate it." And everybody grew, and you know, it was it Tyler Perry at the Oscars? He was talking about meeting in the middle, and that's where the conversations happen. And in either extreme, not so successful, but if you can find some place in the middle to meet. And there's less fear in the middle. It's the middle of the herd. And so maybe it's less scary to kind of reach to the person that's next to you in the middle. But if I can find something there, then, you know, it becomes a little easier.
0: Well, before we wrap up, I would love to know what's your favorite piece of advice to give to someone who's just starting out in the business?
1: Trust yourself. And it's the hardest thing to do um, in everything. In, in, in somebody giving you a read of something, if it really doesn't feel right, is speaking up if something really doesn't sound right to you, don't send it in because I think your gut, our guts, are on every time, and you know when you're being genuine. And right now, genuine, authentic is what is the market wants. So I think that's a really great thing. Trust yourself because you're right.
0: Thank you so much for being here. This was such an insightful conversation and. And I always love hearing things, you know, kind of like from the horse's mouth, because again, like voice talents were like, oh, my agent, I think my agent like, well, let's actually talk to the agents and see.
1: Right. Yeah. And ask the question. It's like, I mean, I'm not we're not so busy that we don't have time for an email. And it's like I I mean, a lot of times, too, I guess I always feel like you've been stressing about this. You should have just asked me and I would have just quickly answered you or, you know, watching, making assumptions, thinking that something means something or something happened because of something deeper. And it, it's not. It's just for whatever reason, you know, something didn't happen and it's not personal and you didn't do something wrong. But we're always like, just ask the question. Don't sit and spin about it because there's it's a waste of time.
0: I think that's good life advice in general. <laughs> right. <laughs> I enjoy talking to Angelina and getting to know her and connect more on a personal level. I think one of my favorite things that she said was that specificity is the key to an authentic conversational read. That the way we talk to specific people in our lives is an important part of that type of read. If you're giving your mom advice about a new product, the way you speak and your tone and your cadence might be totally different than if you were talking to your best friend about it, or your kid, or your teacher, or someone you look up to. Such a great way to think about it. If you'd like to learn more about Angelina, I'm linking her website and socials in the show notes, which you can find at my website, mic.com. And if you'd like to get to know me a little bit better, you can follow me on Instagram at stephanie vo. If you found this episode helpful, I'd really appreciate it if you could share it with a friend. You can take a screenshot of the episode and share it on social media. Thanks so much for listening, and here's a little preview of next week's episode. The world needs each of you who are listening to find your unique voice. Because if we focus in life on what makes us unique, then there is no competition. That's next week on Making It to the Mic.